You're listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Matt Loverin and me, Jim Shamaria. Our goal is to start a conversation about life and leadership in the local church. All right, well, welcome back to the Pastoral Calling Podcast. I'm Jim. And I'm Matt. And uh, we're glad that you're with us for episode 17. Lucky number 17. Lucky 17. This is a bonus week. Two episodes in one week. Maybe. Could still happen. It could still happen. That's just because we forgot to publish the last one late. But that's how we roll. Thanks for being here. Yeah, we're glad that you're here. We have a special guest with us today. A very special guest. Uh, Mitch Connolly, who is a veteran podcaster, uh, (laughs) amongst other things. But Mitch is also a youth pastor. He's the youth pastor here at Celebration Bible Church. So we work together. Uh, and we're looking forward to talking with him about youth and that sort of thing. So welcome, Mitch. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Good Are all you, your guests not special? Uh, name name three guests who aren't special. Jared Coos. <laughs> okay. I'm down with that. Mitch and Jared are friends. Uh, Gary Hansen wasn't that special. <laughs> Joe Johnson was an intern. Joe Johnson, definitely not I special. I really hope, hope this makes it into the so, podcast. <laughs> oh, it will. Good. <laughs> but we are back here at... Uh, in my office again. That worked so well last time. We're here once again, and we got some sun shining in the windows. It's what going to be an early spring. It's February <laughs> fifth, Valentine's Day. It's it Valentine's is. Day today. I forgot about that. So what time is it? It's Valentine's. So we're uh, <laughs> we're Valentine's Day special, but this is going to be aired later. Anyways, here we are. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, youth ministry today. Before we get into that, Mitch, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, where you're from, and uh... how'd you cut your teeth in youth ministry? <laughs> uh, I grew up on Long Island, New York, uh, and in a I went to a church called Eastport, where I'll give a shout out. Uh, my youth pastor was Jeremy Her. I know hey. he listens to this podcast, so does he really? Should, hey, yeah, he said that you guys do a really good job. <laughs> He's a nice guy, sweet, <laughs> what a sweetheart. I mean, not good enough for him to leave us a book or a feedback, a review, a review a on iTunes. <laughs> Um, and so from there, I came up to uh, Grace Bible College, and from there, I'm at Celebration Bible Church. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Amber, and I'm a huge geek uh, <laughs> and a podcaster, like you said. Yeah. Mitch's, uh, Mitch's office is, a, is like if you were to take a Distinguishable. youth pastor office. Yeah. <laughs> no one ever walks down the hallway and looks in your office and thinks it's mine. It's nope. definitely a youth pastor's office, which is great, and I think that's... Uh, that's part of the gig. So uh, you grew up in Long Island, New York. Did you go to that youth group growing up? Like, is that kind of... Actually, I, for the longest time, Jeremy and then another youth pastor, James O'Brien, before uh, Jeremy was there, and then Rick Polisi, uh, oh, all these former guys... Former guest, Rick Polisi. Yeah, tried to get me to go to youth group. Uh, <laughs> I never wanted anything to do with it. I grew up thinking I... I have friends from so school. Would you like go to the church in the morning? And I'd go to the church in the morning and I'd leave. And like I all the time, whoever the youth pastor was, they try to get me to come, and I would do this awkward like, yeah, maybe, but like I I didn't want to come. And I was I was extremely extremely shy as a kid. So like going out of my comfort zone. I did go once, and I remember having the worst time because I just <laughs> I didn't know anybody, and it was terrible. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so I went to go to a mission trip in my senior year, going into my senior year, loved it, and then became a part of the youth group, 
youth group ended in my senior year, and I was like, but I need to do more, became a youth leader, <laughs> started and I've been ended. stuck in it ever since. Where did you go on your mission trip? Uh, uh, Brazil. I went to Brazil. Really? Yep. I didn't know you went to Brazil. Yeah. Cool. Well, what I think would be a great thing for us to talk about, uh, as you know, I imagine, if or those who listen to this podcast know, we aim to kind of talk to people who are involved in small church ministry, and there's a lot of unique blessings and challenges that come with that. And one of them may be some of our listeners out there, if you're a pastor or you just go to a small church, you look around and you say, our youth group is like two kids or zero kids or five kids. And sometimes you can be kind of discouraged about that or not really know, like maybe you've been selected to be the youth leader and you don't know what to do with that. I think for you, Mitch, when you came here to Celebration, that was us, right? We had, what, like three when Not I started off, it was three uh, coming in, and then when I actually got brought in as the intern, uh, with the hopes to make it into a full-time position. <laughs> Get the uh, call up from the minors. <laughs> exactly. Um, by that time, that three became one, because one of the students, <laughs> the, pa- the pastor at the time, uh, his son graduated, and then one of the students moved away, so it became one student backwards. starting off. Yeah, I went backwards. Yet somehow, great start. We still decided to hire him. <laughs> and I think we hired a full time guy. <laughs> this shows promise. <laughs> so, what was that like? What was like your first year of ministry with a youth group of one? Like, I mean, it was not the job I thought I was going to have starting off my time as a youth pastor, that's for sure. Um, It was intimidating, (laughs) it was scary, uh, and it was frustrating at times, uh, having that that be, oh, I I don't know. There were so many nights where I was like, I don't know if kids are even going to show up tonight, uh, and if they they don't, I'll be sitting here for 30 minutes hoping they show up. Uh, And even worse, and I'm sure that any uh, youth pastors out there are small church, even worse is when one kid shows up because uh, then you're like oh great we got one kid i know what they're thinking <laughs> nobody else is going to show up and i have to deal with that and i have to make right. this a great time for that one student <laughs> aren't we having fun <laughs> and and planning games for a small youth group especially one or two is one of the hardest things and not something yeah. that i learned in college not something that i learned through helping um at other youth groups and I guess like like I, I have I came prepared I came with some notes and just some yeah. thoughts and stuff. Uh, but I think the first thing that I'd want to just an expert podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first thing that I want to just say is that I there is no formula to like building up a youth group. Uh, one of the youth pastors I worked with um, in Allendale, Michigan, uh, Michigan, uh, Chris Cowling, like taught me something that I really have seen in my time in youth ministry, and he. Basically, he told me, like, oh, here's how my youth group works. I never thought I'd do it this way. Hmm. Uh, But he said, you know, every group is different, and every group will work differently. Uh, And I've seen that in my own ministry of, like, I've come into it uh, with this thought of, I'll never do youth group like this. And I've I've done things like that because it works in our group. You did the things you said you would never do. I did the things I said I'd never do. Like what? Um, Like, our youth group is... 
Uh, and I think this is probably what a lot of you guys have out there if you're from a small church, uh, is combined, junior high, senior high. And we have reached this point now where I could start going, you know what, let's split that up. But our youth group, it works amazingly well. Uh, it also works amazingly well to bring and have events where our college group comes right. in as well. Well, and you have a lot of college students as your leaders, too. Yeah. So in, to some degree, it's almost All like, of our leaders are college yeah, students. Yeah, it's like a combination of yeah. all of our... That bridge is already yeah. made, so doing events is uh, a pretty easy transition when you just bring in a couple others. And uh, we've never had like an issue um, with doing that. But yeah, there's, there's no formula, and I think it's like as... If you are a youth pastor dealing with a small youth group, like you need to know what's good for your group. Um, but I think one of the most important things starting off for for our group, and I think for any group, is going to be consistency. Uh, and I mean that like in a couple different ways. Uh, I think that one of the most important things, and I don't know how to speak to youth ministry beyond speaking to youth pastors who are in it to say, I'm here at a church, and I want to be here <laughs> right. for a long haul. So that's the that's, first step. If you're not there, if that's not you, yeah. Maybe this and you can look at statistics and realize that oh, like a lot of youth pastors don't stick around. Uh, and I'm not a big fan of statistics, like because there's always an untold story there. But yeah, like I think that consistency. Part of what I mean is, I came into a church where we never had a full-time youth pastor, an actual. I'm here to do a youth pastor job. We had volunteers. Uh, I talked to the students, uh, ex-students now, uh, about, hey, what was youth group like back back in the day? And you get different stories from yeah. all of them uh, to the point where I'm not really sure what youth group was like. Well, I can tell you what youth day. group was a few. I mean, because I when I started here at Celebration 2007, eight or so, um, that was the same concept. Is we didn't have a youth pastor. Paul, who was the senior pastor, would come to church at night and they'd play a board game and do a little Bible study just because there was nobody else to do it. And I would come and fill in and help him out. But there was, it was absolutely, and Paul and I both talked about this and admitted this, it was absolutely the last thing on our to-do list for the week was to prepare for youth Hmm. group. Because we had so much other stuff going on that that just wasn't wasn't a priority. And, And unfortunately... That that had that effect that the kids I I know they felt that way and I know they knew that it wasn't like a thing it was just kind of like ah oh, we show up because we show up and play a video game or a, a board game or something like that and I think I think that's part of it is that commitment of the consistently like the students need to know that you're there yeah. and you're not planning on going anywhere yeah. like it, I think that that is really important because I mean. Youth ministry is all about relationships, like building relationships with the students, um, hopefully uh, them building relationships with each other, building relationships with uh, their leaders. Uh, hopefully have a good, uh, you have a good team of leaders and ultimately using that to help them build a relationship with God. Um, and so you need to be able to uh, show these students that you're working with, I'm here, I'm not going anywhere, I'm here from you, and I'm going to be consistent. And I think along with that, like, if you are planning on doing, like, youth group, I think it is important to have that be at a consistent time Mm -hmm. uh, so that students know, oh, we're meeting on Wednesdays at this time or Sundays at this time, whatever it is. Uh, But I didn't even start off with doing youth group. I thought that was too premature of a thing when you have one student 
um, I started off by just going, we're going to do events. And I believe I started around, I, I started right after I got married in the summertime after I graduated. So events during the summer was perfect. Um, it was just like, let's do events, let's bring in, let's do some game nights, let's go on some trips. And some of them were absolute flops. Some of them I would put so much work into, like, oh, let's go uh, to this sweet theme park and nobody signed up. Or once again, what was worse is one no student one. signed up and then you have to go to the student and you have to go to the parent and say, hey, uh, Bobby was the only one who signed up. I'll still take Bobby, uh, but like I understand if Bobby doesn't want to go, I will do my best to make it the most amazing time. But I want you to know that he's right. the only one. And a lot of the times, it wouldn't end up happening. Yeah. Um, but I think consistency with both your group uh, and with you as a person is really, really important to that. I think it's a lot easier to be consistent or to be committed when you're at a big church where there's you know already 50 kids and it's already fun and you're already getting paid it's a lot harder when when you're at a church where there's one kid in the youth group to say I'm still going to be committed here into doing this but I think I think you're absolutely right that that's one of the major things that has helped our youth group is they see that in you and I think that's something that would be transferable to other groups as well yeah and I mean I was I was lucky in the sense that, yeah, I did have one student starting off, uh, but we did have other students in the church. They just had no interest prior to that to coming to, to youth group. and uh, Because their, youth group was sitting around a table with me playing. <laughs> youth, youth group was, a, was like a Bible study, and, it was, um, and that is amazing uh, and great, and you need scripture right. to be part of youth group. Uh, but kids are kids, and you got to be able to let them have fun, too. And, it, yeah, it, it was just, it needed to be consistent. And so, like, a lot of the students, like, weren't coming. And so the next thing that, like, was really important for me was, like, communication. Um, and, like, there's a lot to that. I had to, I had to personally go. I wanted to get to know uh, the, the parents. I wanted to get to know the families. I wanted to get to know uh, the students. And I hate small talk, uh, so it was hard for me. I really am not a small talk kind of guy. I just want to know somebody, be able to talk to them. On I'm a from New level. York. Yeah. I don't do small talk. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I sound like. Um, it was hard for me, but that's the job, and that's what I had to do, and I knew if I didn't do that, that right. it was not going to succeed. Right. Um, so I constantly try, trying to talk to students, trying to talk to parents, like trying to get them involved. Hold a parents' meeting. Uh, ask them what they're looking for in a youth ministry mm. and how what their thoughts are. Some of them are going to share some great ideas. Some of them are going to share some awful ideas. But just be encouraging to all their ideas and uh, and listen to them. Uh, but that, yeah, that helps to establish your reputation as somebody who exactly is interested in being a part of their kids' lives yeah. and being a positive influence. Parents are possibly tied for first with the number one struggle for me in youth ministry however like even though that is the case you need to realize that if you don't have the parents on your side the kid's not going to be able to come mm. uh maybe at <laughs> at a certain age but if you're not like if it's a middle schooler Make that middle schooler is yeah. not going to be coming <laughs> if their parent does not want them coming uh, and most high schoolers too that's going to be the same exact case so you you need to be able to be friendly with the parents and uh, build relationships with them. Um, I think also just 
working with consistency, making a calendar, uh, and making that a regular thing and handing that out, uh, making announcements in church. I'm really blessed to be part of a church that I've always felt support from the board and from you, Jim, and uh, I and from the church in general. I think we are blessed to have a church that has always been pretty open to change and to uh, and really, really excited when stuff with youth happens. So uh, make announcements from church, and if if you're, I think it's good for you to do it and to do it and be excited about it. You don't want somebody doing the announcements. So. Uh, there's a youth event on Sunday. Uh, that's not exciting. Like you need to get up there, and even if it's not you, just be excited so that you know excitement yeah. will spread, and that's that's part of that. Hey, celebration! How you doing out there <laughs> from New York? <laughs> you are a hype man in some in some aspects of Let being a youth pastor. Um, you need to be able to uh, get them excited, and like the same thing. I had students. I had like a couple students. Starting off, one in particular that was such a like downer all the time, be like, "Oh, are you coming to this event? It's gonna be sweet. It's gonna be awesome." And the the answer was always, "Yeah, we'll see. I don't know." And it was so frustrating. But that student would always be at every yeah. single event, <laughs> so like I continuously did that. Uh, but it was frustrating too because that also spread sometimes to the other students of, "Yeah, we'll see." But they wouldn't co- always come, and now we've got junior hires that you can say, "We're doing this sweet event," and it could be anything, and the excitement is there. Uh, so excitement <laughs> spreads, and lack of excitement will also spread. Hmm. So uh, you need to be able to have that good attitude and to be able to build that excitement. And I mean, if this is something that you're doing, I hope that you do have an excitement for your ministry. Um, so let the let the students and the parents both see that. You said a minute ago that the parents are tied for number one challenge. What else is tied for number one? Uh, my, my answer to that would be complacency. Uh, and I think for... I think that part of that is cultural, um, coming from New York. Um, I, I grew up in a youth group where, and a, a culture where uh, people are very confrontational there, which is good to some degree and bad to some degree. So, like, in New York, if you're dealing with a student and they are not a Christian, uh, and they, or they've been going to church their whole life, but they're not buying into it, uh, most people would very openly just tell you, eh, I don't I don't buy into that this part of the Bible seems stupid to me, <laughs> whatever it is, they'd be, they'd be very open about it. Whereas coming to Michigan, we've got a church on every corner. Right. Um, and a lot of students have grown up in the church and they know when you're asking in Sunday school, they know that half the time it's going to, the answer is going to be Jesus. Uh-huh. And so that complacency and complacency with feeds into the parents as well. It's, it's a struggle when um, you're teaching to students and you hear things, and you're trying to get them excited about God, but then you know that they're going home to sometimes really complacent parents who they go to church on Sunday, and that's about it, and uh, their uh, life isn't too much affected by the love of Christ beyond that, and that's what they're spending most of their time in. So you're constantly trying to battle that, and it's a it's a circle too because there's so many times where I get frustrated because students be are so complacent and because of that I become complacent and then I need to realize that's not right and I have to get excited again and then I deal with students who are complacent and it's just this like the cycle cycle of complacency yeah so that has been my 
other first <laughs> struggle in youth ministry. Yeah, it's not um, so much your own inner complacency, but the complacency of West Michigan church culture, and then you can get sucked into that a little bit. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Okay, biggest, like, most cataclysmic, horrifying mistake you've ever made as a youth pastor. Go. It's the first one that comes really into your mind. I'm really conceited right now because I'm not thinking of anything. <laughs> oh, you're that good, Mitch? <laughs> uh, biggest mistake. I can't leave a kid somewhere or uh-huh. like forget to hook their carabiner in on a zip line or something like that and they go down the zip line but they're not secure. Nope. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if anybody's really ever gotten hurt. I've, I've, I've done things that kids could get hurt in during... But I'm the one who always gets hurt during them. We uh, did a slip and slide baseball like game, so it's basically like it was kickball, uh, but you had slip and slides and pulls as bases. But I was the one who broke my finger rather than a student, so everything's okay with that. I was there. Yeah, I played that game with you guys. It was freezing cold. I'm surprised you didn't get hurt playing that, that game. <laughs> I was using money ball tactics. <laughs> That's not. I'm just e- gonna walk. I'm gonna take the walk. <laughs> take the walk. That's not actually an easy question. I don't know. He's never mm. made never made a mistake. Oh, here's what my biggest mistake would be. I could tell my you biggest, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest mistake, I don't know if I have a specific incident with it, but I am awful with finances. And oh, so that's uh, true. there that's true. <laughs> uh, there have been and I'm sure there are lots of youth pastors out there who are awful with finances. Um, it's kind of a staple of youth pastors, but <laughs> I'm terrible with it. So there have been multiple times when I've been at a board meeting and been like, oh, I did this this way, and I've had all the board members look at me and be like, you did what? Uh, And just tell me, listen, don't do it that way, do it this way next time. Uh, And Luckily, our board is pretty gracious. Our board is very gracious, uh, and normally it starts with, like, inquisitive looks and ends with, like, laughs like, oh, Mitch did it again. Uh, But (laughs) that would be, I don't have a specific incident, but... Because it's happened a couple times, I'm not the best person with finances. I'm not the best person with planning in general, which is why I'm so glad that my wife is like the opposite of that. And so I'll constantly go and plan something on a schedule and be like, oh, look at, just check over the calendar. And she's like, "Uh, you didn't think about this. You didn't think that this was happening this day. Uh, And that's something that I've gotten better at, like of making sure I know all my appointments, but... Uh, planning and scheduling and Good thing you took all those planning and scheduling classes in youth ministry at <laughs> yeah. Bible College. I guess I was sleeping during those. I don't know. <laughs> Why don't we talk a little bit about um, what is your approach to teaching um, as far as like big picture stuff? Like, How do you decide what you're going to teach to your students? I imagine it's similar to the way I go about it and kind of like trying to read the pulse of the needs of the church, but also just trying to... Maybe in some ways. Yeah. Uh, you are very, very different than me in some ways. That's very true. Uh, I come into your office and you say, Mitch, I've got you down for these three dates uh, a year from now. Uh, you have your big schedule on your wall. You're uh, preaching on June yeah, 18th, you're preaching August on this. 27th, and October 15th. Here is your topic. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, honestly, that's been helpful because if you didn't give me a topic, a lot of times I would spend hours trying to figure you're out aware. what I'm supposed to say. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't plan ahead that much. Um, a lot of my lessons come from uh, something that's happening uh, currently, whether it's like of like real-world events um, or uh, something that I've been reading recently and I'm, it's really hitting me and I'm really passionate about it and I want to 
put that passion into the teaching. Um, and uh, sometimes it's just, you know, I think these students uh, should hear about this and we haven't talked about this before. Or at this point, the students who did hear it are graduated. So let's either revisit it or, yeah, talk about it again. So uh, that's, I think, where where it comes from a lot of my lessons. So when you when you do a youth group lesson, you teach for 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes? 15 to 20 is the average of what I teach for. And yes. then you have them go to like discussion groups after that? Uh, yeah, we have them break off into small groups. Um, but I do try to make my lessons as discussion-based as uh, I can. Uh, even Even sometimes I try to break the mold and not just have me up there. I did a series where we had guest speakers. I like to bring in guest speakers. I did a series um, based on this awesome curriculum, and I'm not a curriculum guy, so I didn't really read the curriculum. I watched a thing on it and went, now I'm going to put a twist on it in my own way. And recently we did a like improv theater lesson where we told stories from the Bible with the students acting them out. And that, um, if I remember right, you just were going to do that one time, and then it they, they liked loved it, it, and so you kind of continued it. Yeah, right? I think sometimes with my lessons, that I've taken risks with uh, the Echo of the Story and the improv theater of like, this is going to be trash, and the kids are going to hate <laughs> it, or they're going to love it, and yeah. both of those times I was like, this is going to be trash, they're going to hate it, and they loved it, and it, I mean, we ended our... We called it Biblical Improv Theater, and I said, this is our last week, and our last week we did a musical, and they loved it, but they were, like, musical. groaning and complaining that we were ending our Biblical Improv Theater, so uh, they were pretty upset by it, but that's good. We'll bring it back. I'll be excited when it comes what, back. How did you incorporate the musical? Uh, basically, I, I, I looked at the these biblical passages and these stories, and I kind of wrote out like songs based on them. Very, I'm not. <laughs> what? And Do these then, exist somewhere? <laughs> they exist. Uh, Did and you record them? Uh, we recorded some of them. And so one of our students decided they wanted <laughs> to do the songs. They had never seen them before, part of the improv. And so they would sing to a tune that they made up. Uh, the songs. It was. Uh, so you wrote the lyrics. Yeah, it was. A, it was the biblical improv theater's presentation of. Peter walk with me, or Peter walks on water. So what is, I mean, if you had to make a general observation of what works with teaching your students, it sounds like they really connect with story. I mean, most everybody connects with story, but it sounds like that's something you've had a lot of success with. I think that, personally, my personal belief is that story connects with everybody somehow. Um... I love uh, Donald Miller and all these other writers who talk about story and the power of story. Uh, a lot of uh, games that I'm really interested in like I'm are focused on story, and that's the reason that they're a passion of mine. Um, like I'm a huge movie buff. Movies are stories that are being told today. Like that is that is one of the biggest ways stories are told today. I love story, and like for me, it's I think. That's something I'm passionate about, so that's something I'm going to try and bring into my teaching. Uh, and that's something that I've seen pay off. Um, once again, it's like the attitude behind it. If if you're, you're not into what you're teaching, if you're not um, excited about it, I think there's yeah. a problem there. And don't be, ex- don't be surprised when you look out and Johnny is 
nodding off <laughs> in his seat because you're monotoned and you're and like I mean obviously part of this is practice of being able to present to to anybody yeah. um, you might you know start off monotone but you you have to like keep on remembering like let me try to break out of this maybe record yourself or whatever it is but uh, the excitement behind it I think is important so yeah I, I would say that story has definitely helped um, with my students and kind of relating one thing that I've always tried to do is try to relate to them and describe the Bible as guys this isn't like this is a bunch of stories, but it's also one big story. It all works together. Because growing up, for me, I know that was something that nobody really taught me, and I didn't see the connections yeah. uh, between uh, the beginning, the end, the middle of the Bible. And so that's something that I've tried to kind of work into. Uh, let's look at the narrative of the Bible and talk about what that is um, and the connections between all of that. That's great. I mean, that's kind of what I try to do for the adults. So. Mm-hmm. It's cool that that's kind of connected. How does this apply to my life, and where do I fit in there? Exactly. Rather than just the Bible's a bunch of rules, right? Or it's a yeah. bunch of, you know, flannel graphy stories that don't really connect right. to my life. Yeah. One thing I want to point out for people who don't know you, and this is their only interaction with you, maybe you're coming across as the very, you know, youth pastory, over the top guy. But I would say, and, and I'm saying this as an encouragement to people out there, that. I, I look at you, you definitely have kind of some of the outgoing stuff, but that's something that I think that you've learned. As you said earlier, you're kind of naturally more of an introverted person, and you're not like that youth pastor that you think of with, you know, whoa, everybody, we're crazy, we're doing all this stuff. But you you don't have to be that type of person to be an effective mm-hmm. youth pastor. You can be someone who is a little more introverted, someone who is a little more relational-based, and... Like you said, there's no pattern or model for a healthy youth group. There's also no pattern or model for a healthy youth pastor or youth worker. And so if you're out there and you're listening and think, I can never do that. I could never be the goofy, crazy, zany guy who comes up with all these games. Maybe that's not necessarily what students are looking for. I think what why you're effective is because you are investing in building relationships with these students in the kind of the unseen ways, you know, when you're taking them out to lunch and you're, you know, just hanging out with them and, genuinely caring about them and sharing your life with them and I think that that's a really important thing to keep in mind something I've realized in the past couple years I'm for sure an introvert that's definitely Mm -hmm. what like I can have a lot of fun and get like excited at youth events but when it comes down to it when it's eight o'clock and the parents are picking them up I can't wait to get home and veg and just relax with my wife maybe watch some TV it's I need time to like relax and mm-hmm. recharge you know, on your recharge own. Yeah. exactly and uh, I think that I think that's so true and I think that you know as much as I'm an introvert I think there is everybody is passionate about something um, and I think that as a youth pastor what you want to do is just make sure that your students know that you're passionate about them uh, that should be the way that it is and yeah you don't you don't need to be uh, that crazy guy and and part of part of it is important too that you know you can be fun you can have a lot of fun with them you can get crazy but you need to make sure there's also a level of understanding of like you are their leader uh and that you are their pastor 
uh, so that when things do happen, they know that they can trust you. You're not just their friend. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I, I know that that's been a struggle for um, a lot of youth pastors. Um, and I've seen that uh, in youth groups that I've helped out in before that it's like, this doesn't seem like a very healthy thing that's going on right now. Um, but I think attitude is really important. Um, I think that, you know, we're talking about small youth groups, and I think that there, I, I am the first to say there were times in those first year, first two years, when it was so frustrating to come and have one student or two student or not know if anybody was going to show up. But it's okay to when you're at home with your wife or talking with your uh, lead pastor to vent about it and to be frustrated about it. Like, oh, like, why aren't students coming? It's okay to be frustrated. It's normal to be frustrated. But when that one student's there, if you're being frustrated with that one student there, like, or that two students there or three students, whatever it is, like, guess what? Your your group isn't going to grow because they then that student isn't going to want to come. You need to make you need to make that time with whatever the amount of students that God is letting you have input into their life, the best time that you can give them. Uh, okay, you have a small youth group. Every now and then, don't just have regular church at, a youth group at church. Take them to Steak and Shake or something. Like, that's what we used to do. Like, oh, like, there's only, like, a couple kids here. Like, let's go to Steak and Shake. Uh, I mentioned Jeremy Herr before. One of um, his least favorite things... Uh, that I know I've talked to him about it was when there was a play or something and youth group would be super small and kids would come in and they'd always ask the same question, uh, where is everybody? And he hated that question. Um, And he started this whole youth group motto based off of, if you've ever watched Lost, which is my favorite TV show, uh, there's a character on it named Charlie and he sings this song, You Are Everybody. Uh, and so when students came and asked, where, where is everybody, he would just sing in a high-pitched voice, you are everybody, and that was his answer. Uh, and it became the motto, and it had, we had t-shirts uh, for that youth group that said, you are everybody, uh, Eastport Bible Church, and it was fantastic. And then students knew, like, that's not the question to ask, and hey, we're going to have fun regardless. Um, yeah. You need to be able to... to to not feed into that frustration and, um, yeah, just have a good time with the students you have. I was talking with my wife and I the other day. We were out to dinner, and we always seem to, like, just hit whatever the case is, wrong place, wrong time, wrong whatever, and we have had, like, this string of, like, really bad, like, service <laughs> from our waitresses and from the cook staff and whatever. And my wife worked for several years in pretty high-end, like, five-star restaurants, uh, one called the 1913 Room here, and then she served at Ruth Chris Steakhouse for a long time. And so working in those kind of, like, fine dining places, one of the things that she really learned and and took on is for her, you know, sometimes you get into this rut where, okay, this is just another person and they're just here or whatever. But to have to remind yourself, like, for this person, going out to the 1913 Room is, like, the one time a year that they're going to spend, you know, three digits on a meal. And like, this is like a really, really, really special event for them. This is like, this is going to be a memorable thing for them. And so you have to, as their server, treat them as if this is also a really special event for you, even though for you, it's just kind of, ah, you're doing it all the time. And I wonder if that's the same kind of concept with youth group is like, you get there and there's only three kids 
but to not put on a show, but to remember, like, for them, this is, like, their thing. And so to, to really kind of bring that value into that moment, I think, is, is kind of important to do. Yeah. If I could say, like, one last thing, too, for any youth pastors out there who are, like, dealing with small youth groups and frustration, uh, like, I get it and I've been there. Uh, but I think I'd also just encourage you, like, not to give up, yeah. uh, to realize that it is about building relationships and it is going to take time. Uh, and don't just expect things to change right away. Uh, pray. Uh, pray for the students that God's given you. If you have a small youth group, it's really going to be easy to just take 30 minutes and pray for one student because mm-hmm. you're not going to be having, oh, I've got 100 students i got to do that for. <laughs> Um, but like, it will take time. Just don't give up. Keep on going. Keep praying. Keep honoring the students that God has put in your life and just working with them. And I would say to the non-youth pastors out there, and I'm not trying to say that I'm, we're the best at this or whatever, but your role is the same as my role. And that is to encourage the youth pastor and to allow them that space to take three years to build a youth group and to not be constantly pressuring and asking or when people say, ah, how, you know, how many kids actually come? Your, your answer is they are everybody or or whatever, you know, but to be a support for the youth pastor, I think that's important. And, um, to kind of be doing ministry together as a team rather than the youth and the the others. All right, Mitch, one of the things we like to do is ask every guest that comes on the podcast, uh, what's your uh, greatest joy in ministry? What's the greatest struggle? You talked about that uh, a little bit, but um, what's the biggest, uh, most life-giving thing to you and what's the biggest drain? I think uh, one of the greatest joys is when those rare and little moments where you realize that the students are listening and they're mm-hmm. getting it. Um, when you hear them repeat something uh, from a lesson you did years ago or like just from, oh yeah, that's like in the, the story that we read about Jesus uh, washing his disciples' feet. It's like, oh, you were listening. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times you're looking at them and you're like, they're not listening to me right now. Yeah. So that's really a, a huge joy. And and when you see students, like I have one student who's just, uh, he's a senior hire. There's no reason for him to do it. Uh, but when a junior hire comes in and they're not playing Foursquare with the group, he goes, come over here, come play with us. Mm. Like that is way more powerful than me as a youth pastor or leaders doing it. And that just makes me overjoyed that they're buying into the welcoming, accepting atmosphere that we're building. So that is by far like the biggest, the biggest joy biggest grind expense reports <laughs> yeah dealing with the any pastor <laughs> anything that has to do with finances um or I, I i did a i did a mission trip to puerto rico and it was a great two weeks but the months ahead of time of trying to get students to come to meetings and parents and this and that there was no fun uh, that was part of it. It was all awful and it was terrible and I hated it, uh, but it was worth it because of those two weeks. Uh, but everything building up to it was just terrible. So that prep 
yeah. really sucked. Can I say that on this podcast? Yes. Um, might be the first we'll, time, but we'll that's okay. It. Right. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm happy to be the first. So then the other thing we ask is any book recommendation, anything you're reading or something you'd want people to read. I think the the best book for ministry I've ever read is by a guy called Mike Iaconelli. He oh, yeah. was the youth pastor, uh, but it's a collection of uh, small stories um, and letters and things that he has written. It's called Getting Fired for the Glory of God. Um, whether a youth pastor or just in ministry in general, that book is amazing, uh, and you should definitely read it. It's like I said, the fact that it's split up stories, you can read a story a week and it's nothing to read. I am a slow reader, but it, it is an easy, easy read. So that would be my recommendation. And it's called? Getting Fired for the Glory of God by Mike Iaconelli. Cool. All right, check it out on Mitch's recommendation. Yeah. Um, oh, I was also going to ask you, uh, if... if as a, if, as a youth pastor, you were a particular superhero, who would you be? Not your favorite superhero. <laughs> yeah, sorry, what is the question? But if you, Mitch, yeah. were a superhero youth pastor, which superhero would it be? If I were a superhero youth pastor or a superhero? <laughs> no, if I don't you, think there are any superhero youth pastors. <laughs> Let me reframe the question. <laughs> Not me, the youth pastor, but yeah. me, Mitch. That's uh, why you get the hardest questions ever. Why is that the hardest question? My favorite superhero is Captain America, but I am not Captain America. Exactly. Um, So what superhero are you as a youth pastor? Aquaman? No. Get out of here. I don't even know. I don't know anything about this guy. Isn't he the one that wears like the onesie and like swims? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Talks to fish. Um, What superhero? Does he have gills? Am I? He can breathe underwater. So he has gills. Maybe. <laughs> I think I think that I would have to say that I'm I'm Spider Man. Spider Man is the the geeky superhero. Um, he's the geeky guy, the the nerd, the the guy that becomes at night and just puts on a mask. He becomes Spider Man. Um, I fit into. Because I'm looking at Peter Parker and going, I'm kind of like that. There's a lot of people on your shirt that I've never even seen in my life before. Like, yeah. who's that guy? Uh, Captain Britain. Oh. Britain's <laughs> you like a, him, too. I like him. Britain's I'm kind of a, a captain, I'm too. kind of an Anglophile. <laughs> I'll be ca- What's his name? I don't know. Probably, like, Reese or something. Miles. Yeah. <laughs> Nigel. <laughs> That's right. That's probably <laughs> Thanks so much for being here, Mitch. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks. You've been listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Jim Shamaria and me, Matt Loverin. Join us every two weeks as we start a new conversation about life and leadership in the local church. If you like us, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud or on iTunes, and also tell all your friends so they can join the conversation. <laughs>